37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal's 150th episode. 150. So, for more than 150 episodes, because technically this should be like 154, counting a couple specials, <laughs> we've been coming to you, bringing you the strange, the spooky, the unexplained. The mispronounced, <laughs> sometimes even the unintelligible. Mongol. And Bigfoot porn. Don't forget the Bigfoot big <laughs> porn. The smut. And Preston, and Preston not knowing what where Mongolia is or what it <laughs> <laughs> Right. The humiliating impressions and the unusual and the weird. And for over four years, we've received nothing but positive support, amazing listener stories, and more. So, for the 150th episode, we want to bring you guys even more spooky and chilling tales that we've been told by listeners like you. That's right. Episode 150 is just nothing but listener stories. Which is pretty crazy that we got that many, considering like yeah. we're always saying, hey, message us, write us, email us, send us, mm-hmm. a, send mm-hmm. us anything. And we, we went to town on, on this, and we got a lot of support, and awesome. And what's even better is that it's from listeners, and it's from non-listeners, too, just pe- random people within the interwebs, too, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. We do have a few stories from folks that we just talked to just offhand, and they gave us their creepy stories. So this is uh, this is exciting. We've got revelations We've got follow-ups. We've got vindication stories because there is one follow-up to a story that I screwed up (laughs) that I recanted from a buddy of mine's uh, experience back when we were just out of high school. And we've got so much more, so it's going to be super awesome. Uh, We're very, very excited for this. But uh, first, we got a little bit of news. So first out the gate, a giant squid weighing over 700 pounds washed up on the shore of a beach. Hell no. A giant squid weighing over 700 pounds washed up on the Golden Mile Beach in Britannia Bay, South Africa. The remains of the giant squid washed up on a beach around 95 miles northwest of Cape Town on June 7th. The giant squid was found by Adelaide Gross of Cape Town, who told Live Science that at first she wanted to get it back in the ocean but after closer observation, she discovered it was already dead. She said, oh my word, seeing it at first, it really took my breath away. Honestly, it looked like a majestic prehistoric animal. There's dogs it's barking, unclear. by the way. Sorry. What's that? There's dogs barking, by the way. Oh, all good, man. Yeah. I think uh, dogs barking. You'll probably hear my <clears throat> AC in the background because it is hot as hell right now in Kansas. So don't you even worry... Steve, don't you worry your pretty little golden curls. <laughs> golden curls. <laughs> Fuck these curls, man. <laughs> uh, it's unclear how the giant squid died, but Gross said they had ab- abnormally large swells the night before, and it may be her understanding that a swell washed the beautiful squid up onto the beach just hours before she discovered it, 
They searched for bite marks or injuries and couldn't find anything telling. So essentially, this poor thing just must have accidentally caught a uh, an undercurrent and just washed up on shore and got stranded. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And what's it? It, what, it basically it ran out of fucking oxygen because it can't breathe air. So it like very good, Preston. Know, <laughs> choked to death. I don't know what happened to the squid. It's a bit no. It fucking couldn't breathe because it wasn't in water. It died. Oh my god! So. Uh, the picture of this thing is pretty incredible, but what's yeah. even crazier is like every time I go, I love going to aquariums and every time I go, the only thing in that entire building that I'm ever creeped out about is octopus mm-hmm. and squid, like and oh, maybe too. jellyfish a little bit, but not so much jellyfish. Definitely these things because they're just so massive. There's way too many fucking appendages to keep track of. And yeah, they're so cl- they're so intelligent. I mean, not this one, obviously. Mm-hmm. You fucking couldn't even get out of the beach. I'm just joking. <laughs> like, wow. No, this thing is massive. But think about that. Like, the picture is great because in the background you see two people walking. And even though they're they're farther away, they're not that far away. But the size of this thing compared to their bodies is pretty insane. And then... We're going to have calamari for like six months. Yeah. Jesus. And then, yeah. And then just the thing is like, th- that was this thing in this area. You know, there's yeah. so much ocean out there that we've not even explored, and there's things probably three times as big as this. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who theorize that, uh, quote, alien life on Earth could actually be something that's subterranean or submersed. And what we would find out is that alien life actually already lives in the deepest part of the oceans, and it won't come from outer space, but instead the very depths of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I have an unbridled fear of squid and octopuses as well. Octopus. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not like a yeah. fear. Like, I can go near it, but, like, it, I I could just, like, I have this vision of, like, putting, anytime I go to an aquarium, I'm like, man, I would love to be in there just swimming next to these fish, or I just want to put my hand in there and, and let the fish touch me. But, like, just thinking about putting my hand in an octopus cage and it just, like, <laughs> just fucking all around yeah. my arm and just, like, arm just disintegrating because they're so strong like <laughs> well and i mean look at the look at the mouth on those things yeah. they have a beak like a bird they can fucking just snap bone in half yeah and that's everything it, it looks alien as shit like it looks like something yeah, dude. coming from the sky coming to fucking eat you yeah that too Precisely. man like it's crazy the shit fuck. yeah the heck with that noise well steve what do you got man you got a bit of news for us too uh so Netflix is getting ready to do another document documentary documentary series. Uh, it explores the archives of the most haunted places in the world. Now, Netflix does a really, really good job in their documentaries. They're always very well done, very well orchestrated. Um, mm-hmm. Their soundtracks are always really good. Like they have Netflix or the documentary game unlock. So basically, <laughs> haunted night tours like. We've all done one. I did one in New Orleans. You guys have both done the one in uh, Eureka Springs and and many other places. Uh, So, but them ones, you know, like, I think that when you look at, like, very haunted tours, some of the ones that come to mind, like, in my opinion, the Stanley, like, that's on everybody's to-do list, basically. So that's what this show is going to cover is what what I'm um, assuming is they're going to be doing, like, the most famous, you know, type of things mm-hmm. but doing it in like documentary style so it's going to talk about like the case and then it's going to say like try to show proof of a- afterlife and all that type of stuff so it says oh, yeah. netflix has announced an upcoming horror themed documentary series in which they will look 
They will take a look throughout the most haunted houses, hotels, and cemeteries around the United States. They have selected the eeriest sites, different spots that claim to be the most haunted places in the world will be explored. Where pl- The world, but it's only America. Typical America. Places <laughs> where people have witnessed terrible stories, infamous acts that have left the surroundings with a heavy atmosphere with countless ghostly apparitions. Horror-themed titles appear to have gained a great success on Netflix. Series such as Haunting of Hill House, Dope, for example, showed the horror genre has a pretty promising future and great potential. It always has. <laughs> but, uh, so I don't know. That, sound, that, sounds, right. pretty, that sounds pretty awesome. That Because, I mean, uh, Netflix has killed it on their their horror stuff, in my opinion. I mean, Into, yeah. into the Tall Grass, Dark... Um, the ritual, the ritual. Oh, jeez, yeah. Fucking haunting a hill house. I mean, uh, Gerald's game, like all the type of thriller horror, they're really good at it. So I, I'm pretty excited for this. The thing is, though, that has me a little bit nervous is Netflix also needs to realize they need to watch out before they get too big for their britches. Because if you go back to that documentary quote documentary series, Haunted, mm-hmm. where people tell their stories of what exactly happened to them growing up. Yes. I think it was episode five of season one. Yeah, that shit was Slaughterhouse. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was very intense. Slaughterhouse. Yeah. They caught a lot of flack because essentially that was like an unsolved cold case serial killing spree that basically broke on Netflix. And so, I mean, just look that up sometime. They caught a lot of flack for, A, it being fake, and, B, having all this information and then using it to, you know, build up this documentary series and then turn around. So that was a it, it was a cold case? Well, we don't know. That's oh. the thing. We just caught the story that, a, you know, two girls grew up in a house where the parents lured in drifters and murdered them. Yeah, and, yeah, like hundreds of them. Yeah, during I mean, during the it, time of of the the drift, yeah. like you know the Woodstock and stuff, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I want to. It's been so long, sixties or seventies, yeah. but still, like to have that information and then to be like, oh shit, no one knows about this. Like, yeah. how many unsolved it, it was, murders? It was pretty weird watching that, and you were like, what? I've never heard of this. But so, the, exactly. The, the so yeah, epi- the first episode on that series talked about like the little boy. And, like, he witnessed the uh, axe murder inside the diner, and then, like, there was, like, a ghost of a lady. Yeah. So that was actual all bullshit. That guy is a horror film writer and producer, and he <sighs> basically made all that up to test the waters to see how people would respond to it. So it makes you wonder, like, okay, so if the first one's all bullshit, then what but about But did the- they, did has Netflix, when they were, when they advertised, when they first launched that show, did they say these are real stories, these are real firsthand accounts, or do we all just assume that? No, they said these are based on eyewitness accounts, and, you know, they give the typical bullshit disclaimer, um, you know, watch at your own risk and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, this will be a little different because they're going to be going to places that me, you, Preston can actually go to. If we want to go to okay. the Amityville house, we can go by there and look at it, blah, blah, blah. So like they're, yeah. it's a little different in, in, in that regard. I thought the haunted show, like I, that's how I went into the watching them video, the videos. I was like, Oh, this is this person's account. Well, might've happened. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that one well, was like, really weird because <laughs> it's like you're telling me over 200 <laughs> drifters got murdered, chopped up, yeah, and like and no one's heard about this. <laughs> like what the hell? Like, yeah, and yeah, that if you guys have not watched that, you need to watch it because at least that episode. I can't remember what number it is. Is it like four or five, something like that. I think it's five. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it's five episodes, two seasons, uh, probably about ten episodes total. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it on the show before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and like Preston, like you mentioned a, mid- a bit ago, um, back when that story of Dear David broke, everybody was just tuning in daily to find out updates from yeah. uh, Adam Ellis. You know, he's a, uh, a comic illustrator. He makes, you know, web comics and whatnot. And at the very, very end, he reveals the entire thing is a sham. And granted, yeah, I kind of thought it would be the entire time, you know. But it's a fun story. It keeps you on the edge of your feet. And then just to have the bubble burst yeah. right in front of you, you know, give and me that 1% of uh, potential for it to be real and then just take that away too. Like, fuck that. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Don't sell this shit. Yeah. In regards to this show, I mean, we're like experts on the unusual and the strange. And, like, folklore is, like, my big, like, you know, makes me chub. So I like to think that sometimes <laughs> we're just reporting on folklore that's becoming iconic throughout America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let's 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 argue, Steve, that I've had enough unexplainable stuff happen to me to where it's hard for me to, in good faith, turn around and tell you your story's bullshit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like for me, that's, it's it's the age old thing. I want to believe, and I'm, where's my <laughs> yeah, where's my saying to yeah. say this person didn't go through this shit? That's how it would be for all these stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's I guess that's kind of a an interesting uh, example because Steve, you haven't really experienced. I mean, not there one thing, anything. Not one thing. Well, you've seen a just, few lights just, in the sky. Yeah, but... the lights in the sky. That's it. The one time. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, and Preston and I talk about this all the time. Like we know what we've experienced, so. We go into this stuff wanting it to be real and giving it, I mean, giving it a good listen and giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. You know, there's there are stories we've reported on in the show in the last 150 plus episodes that, you know, obviously they're just bullshit. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying listener stories, but the big main stories, Word. they're probably poppycock. But, and w- you know. One more thing real quick back to the, the Netflix show thing. Um, another reason why I'm really excited for that show is because... I think one besides Haunted, um, another great docu series type show that they did was Dark Tourist. That was a phenomenal show. Like it yeah, was. Yeah, I never you finished got, that. You guys got to but... finish that because it's not all spooky. It's not all crazy. Like it's just weird places people want to go. You know, like mm-hmm. Chernobyl and um, go to one of them um, funerals where they actually like have a body rot and like go and take the body and, and do all stuff hanging on that mountain with like all the weird, um, coffins and stuff like inside that mountain, all kinds of stuff like that. Like it, it's really interesting. And the way they shot that, like this guy and then it was like kind of like a documentary thing, but they interviewed people on the spot and that, yeah, David Ferrier, yeah. Ferrier is yeah. his name. Yeah, and like I've been like just waiting for them to announce season two. They haven't canceled it yet. Netflix still, yeah, has still it's still on the plate. But he's not traveled anywhere yet, and they're not they haven't filmed anything. He says um, he's just got a Google Doc full of places to go and stories he wants to tell. <laughs> and he's anytime he hears about something crazy, like he writes it down. So when they do call him and say, "Hey, we're going to look into doing a season two, he's got all the work done. Like here's this, here's this. Pick the best ones and get the, get the get the the flights booked, all that type of stuff. Yeah, so, well, it's a good, it's and, good I mean, man. To hold you over for season two between now and then, he also has a 2016 documentary called Tickled. Really? And if you have not watched it, uh, you should check it out. Is that guy Australian, movie. New Zealand, or what? I want to say he's Kiwi, if I remember right. Cool. 
Let's just say he is for the sake of me researching. <laughs> yeah, we got a listener that might find offense to that. Well, I'd say let's just get into it. We chalked this bad boy up as being a bonanza full of listener stories, and that's exactly what we have. But this just in, we got a message from Rob. Rob was supposed to join us today, but he had to uh, call off at the last second. But let me let me play this real quick. Hi, it's me, Robert Henderson Manwood, Rob. Um, as you know, 150 podcasts is nothing to sneeze at. I know. I've done it twice now, I believe. I've got to 150 on two different podcasts. So, it takes a while. It takes dedication. And Sean and Preston and Steve have all put their effort in. And they made a, a fantastic product that I helped. I helped get off the ground, which was my only legacy of that podcast, was to get it off the ground and help Sean because he wanted to do a podcast, and I thought, hey, it'd be cool. Then I just got burned out on podcasts, on all podcasts, so, um, but I'm very proud of them. I'm very proud of the product they continue to put out. I love all the silly voices and and, uh, stuff like that, Um, but uh, 150, wow. Wow. So I just wanted to uh, let you guys know that uh, they do a great job and you guys do a great job. And I I know you guys have got lots of faithful listeners and some may even miss me. And to those people, I don't know why you're sick individuals, I guess. But um, anyway, um, I just wanted to share a listener story um, because, as you know, here recently, uh, my dog, Halo, had passed away, and he had been here for 12 years, so he'd been here for the entire time that I've known Sean and Preston and Steve and a lot of people, honestly, um, and, uh, he passed away recently, we had to put him down, but, uh, his presence is still felt here at the house, um, our cat has kind of been in mourning, we think, she's been, like, laying underneath the end table and stuff and uh, my mom was telling me the other day that she was laying underneath the end table and all of a sudden she just darted up and ran down the hallway like she was chasing after something and some you know I told her I said I bet it was Halo's ghost but uh um I can still I still swear sometimes when I walk in there in the living room late at night when we're all playing Xbox that I can still see his shadow still sitting there on his spot in the couch and, uh, but, uh, I just want to say too, that, uh, I was having a really bad day, like two weeks after he passed away. And, uh, <clears throat> so, uh, I had went to sleep that night and that morning, right before I woke up, um, I had a dream that, uh, he came into my, uh, bedroom and jumped up on the bed with me and he was just like all happy and playful and young again. And, uh, you know, he was just happy to see me, and uh, I joked with everybody, and I said, um, I said that, uh, well, <clears throat> my little angel must have got his wings, and he just got through uh, angel orientation, so, uh, but uh, I thought I'd share that with you guys, and, uh, yep, 150 episodes, I hope that you guys do 150 more, and uh, I will talk to you guys later, see ya! Peace. 
<laughs> yeah, he sent that in literally as we are just recording just now. So oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, we'll yeah, de- we'll dedicate uh, this episode to Halo. How about that? Hell yeah, yeah, definitely. In loving memory of Halo, the one pug to rule them all. Yeah, I could just picture that well, Rob, dog thanks, jumping man. up on his bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob, thanks for the kind words, man, and for the legacy that uh, you know you've built. And uh, we'll have you back on here. You think you're done? You're not done. <laughs> We'll get you out of retirement, you little bit. Just when I get out, they pull me back in. <laughs> right. Right. Well, hey, what a way to kick things off. Let's just jump in here and get started. So the first story is a little bit of a follow-up to a tale we told. God, it's probably been 100 episodes ago. If you guys remember, I told tale of a friend of mine back in our hometown who uh, mentioned before that she had a brief encounter with a Bigfoot, and she was actually featured on episode 10 of season 4 of Animal Planet's Finding Bigfoot. Her encounter wasn't a face-to-face encounter, but she did find footprints in the snow in her yard. And if you recall, I said the footprints were so big, she called the local sheriff, he couldn't explain them away. They called the game warden, they couldn't explain them away. And then the game warden mentioned to her in passing... I don't know what kind of animal this would have been, but whatever it was, it had to have been at least 800 pounds to leave footprints that deep and to have feet that big. So I caught up with her, oh, probably about a month ago, and asked her how things were, and, you know, I just said, you know, still, I still still, uh, I still tell stories about your Bigfoot encounter. And she told me that recently she and her boyfriend were out driving around one night, and she told him the story of the Bigfoot how she found the footprints, and yada, yada, yada. Well, he had a very interesting revelation. See, he said back when he and his four brothers had been children, they were born and raised in southeastern Kansas, and they grew up on a farm near some woods. He said that as a kid, it wasn't too uncommon for them to be outside playing and for them to hear what sounded like something big and heavy walking around in the woods, snapping branches and twigs in the brush. They'd go out looking for whatever was making the noise, but they'd only catch a little glimpse of whatever the perpetrator was. So then they'd be playing by the river, and they'd hear the same noises in the trees and the woods, and oftentimes they'd see something large and hairy way down by the bank of the river, usually a few hundred feet downstream, and many times a figure would be splashing around in the water like it was trying to grab a fish. But any time they'd try to sneak up on it or just outright run towards the figure, it'd look up, see them coming, no matter how quiet they were, and it'd jump back in the water and quickly swim down the river. They said whatever the thing was, was big and hairy. And then lastly, growing up, their mother kept a really impressive garden. Because back then, especially, having a garden would be kind of uh, imperative for feeding five hungry boys. So on several occasions, their mom would go out behind the house in the early morning to pick the uh, ripened veggies from the garden, but instead, she'd come back... You're talking about this like it's back in the frontier days. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's probably about 70 years ago, 60, 70 years ago, so I mean... So instead of coming back in with, you know, an apron full of veggies, she'd come back in all pissed off because something had just come into the yard right before she went outside and picked the garden clean. Whatever it was would pluck the veggies from the vines or pull up the turnips, but otherwise leave the garden itself intact, 
almost like whatever it was was intelligent enough to know not to harm the plants and they would continue to bear fruit. Next, he went on to say that one of the older farmers down the road had told he and his brothers about one time he had buried a, quote, big old hairy Indian feller that he had came across on his land. The old farmer assumed it was just a large Native American that had died and that it was just unnaturally hairy. So he said he did the respectful thing and buried the hairy person in the land that he found it in. Now her boyfriend wishes he could go back and remember the farmer's land better and go dig up the bones. The last thing he had told her is how recently he had taken to going on long walks for exercise and for a way to pass the time. So one of his more ambitious walks is to walk the entire El Dorado Lake. And one of the things that he'll occasionally do is get close to a particular spot on the bank where there's small fish that like to swim up. He'll grab a handful of smaller rocks and snipe the fish in the water with the rocks. Then he'll throw the rocks into the shallow water and hit the fish on the head, grab the fish, and put them along the edge of the bank for the wild animals in the area to eat. Well, he told her about how oftentimes he'll go out and amass a decent collection of fish. And then all of a sudden, ironically and inexplicably, something will begin to throw rocks at him from just inside the tree line. He said he's never really been hurt by a flying rock, but whatever is throwing them at him has pretty good aim and always manages to run him off. And he'll run up from behind the area he suspects the culprit to be hiding, but he won't find a soul. And when he gets back down to the bank, all the fish are gone, with nothing left as evidence as to what it was that was taking them. No bones, no fish skin, nothing. So after she told him about her experience, and they begin to watch all these old Finding Bigfoot shows, he's come to the realization that whatever it was he has encountered all these years must have been a Bigfoot. Because as a kid, back in those days, because now he's in his 50s, he didn't know what a Bigfoot was. We didn't have the internet or the TV shows. It was all just word of mouth. So now, being a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch makes a lot of sense. That's so crazy. There you go. No, it's weird that yeah. he, like you'd bury, bury the, uh, what he what he, he's not the guy that buried the what he thought of the Indian, no. right? Okay. Uh, when he was a kid, the farmer that lived down the street from him is the one that found the body and buried it. So what year would that have been? Man, I mean, if let's just guess that he's 60 yeah. and it's 2020 now. So, I mean, shit, 50s or 60s. Still seems really weird to be, just bury a random guy you'd find on your land without notifying mm-hmm. somebody. But Well, it, then again. it depends on the part of town, man. <laughs> yeah. Imagine you're down yeah. somewhere southeastern corner of Kansas by Oklahoma, kind of yeah. in the, the Plains area. Yeah, I mean... I mean, there are reports of uh, farmers in Kentucky and around that area um, and up in, like, you know, the Appalachia that uh, when they're farming their land, they would actually dig up mummified bodies of, like, giants and, like, dwarfs. And out of respect, they would just rebury them on the same land that they found them and then, mm-hmm. you know, write it down in a journal and Bob's your uncle, it's done. So, right. Wow. And I mean, to me, the part that stands out is finding the corpse of what you think is a, quote, big, hairy Indian fella. I mean, it would have had to have been a somewhat fresh body for it to still be hairy and to be, you know, identifiable as a person. Yeah. So to me, I would like to think or hope that it's something, it's something that died sooner 
or more recently, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh-huh. interesting story nonetheless. And- oh, yeah. it's it, I love it because it's so fun that she had this experience and then she meets this guy by chance and they hit it off and all of a sudden he's like, holy shit, the last piece of the puzzle in my whole life. I've been plagued <laughs> by this giant airy thing. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yep. All right, Steve, what do you got, man? This one was cool. submitted to you. Yep, submitted me on the Facebook. Uh, this is from my friend Megs. In 2017, we went to Texas for a wedding. I was in and set up surveillance while we were gone. One of the cameras were in the garage, but there was no way anyone could have gotten in there. No one was home. We were all in Texas. During the reception, there was an alert because a work lamp in the garage was flickering and came on. So we watched, and then the light went back out, but you could see the silhouette of a person. You can see it in the picture. And she actually included a picture of, of that. Yeah, I mean, you can clearly see what looks like a head, a chest, a torso, yeah. an arm, and then uh, the and yeah, that's that's it on that story. She also put another one. She said probably around two thousand three, two thousand four, I was sleeping and remember waking up because I had a strong set, a strong sense that someone was watching me. When I woke up, I saw a figure walking towards me, and the closer it got, the more it faded. It didn't have distinct features, but the outline fingers I recognized and felt it was my deceased uncle. I didn't feel scared, but more comforted, yet perplexed. Damn. And then she also goes off to say, Also, after one of my closest people committed suicide, for a few, for a few weeks I would see shadows running by. I do have PTSD, so I'm never sure if it's part of that or not. I would feel someone sit on my bed. I could feel someone standing at the doorway, and it would make me it would wake me up sometimes. Sometimes I would be reading my nook and the pages would start flipping like crazy all of a sudden. There would be other instances like being at church and a pastor saying something only he would say, stuff like that. Oh weird. Yeah. So I guess that's pretty cool. Shout out to the nook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had to remember what that was. I'm not trying to be <laughs> snide. I'm just like, oh, yeah. One of the first e-readers. What up, Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> so that's crazy, man. Uh, something's interacting with whatever electronic device you're using, causing the pages mm-hmm. to flip. And, like, yeah. uh, it was uh, – it's kind of – it's weird she said this about the, the church and the pastor. <clears throat> I was listening to Justin Long's podcast, um, Life is Short. It's a phenomenal show. Yeah, Chelsea Handler on there, and uh, whether you like her, hate her, you know, whatever. Um, she it's very fun to listen to her talk, in my opinion. And she talks about something that she went through in her life where um, she went to like a, a medium, and now she's all about uh, connecting with her mother and her brother. She lost her brother at a really, really young age, and then she mm-hmm. lost her mom, like, I think maybe eight or nine years after her brother. Um, and she was like really like lost and all this stuff. And she wanted to like get a sign. So the medium, Mm -hmm. the medium told her to, what is something that your, that your brother and your mother loved that only you would, that you would know. So if you seen something like that, it would, it would trigger a memory for them. So she says they both liked oranges. When I was younger, I remember getting oranges and we would love it. And it was just like, it's just a memory. It's in my brain. So now, every time she has, like, she's feeling doubtful, she's feeling down, she'll she'll just, like, talk to herself and she'll just be like, hey, because uh, um, she's born uh, or born and raised uh, under Judaism, and 
Mm-hmm. I don't, but she doesn't follow anymore or practice anymore. So, but she's more like spiritual and like her own things. And she says that now, whenever she's feeling down or depressed or something in her life's bothering her, and she wants that comfort from her mom and her brother, she'll just say, "Show me an orange," and then like within like a, a day or two, you know, she'll mm-hmm. randomly see an orange in like the weirdest place or the like like a bus will drive by and there'll be one on there. Like it's the weirdest shit. And like, and it was really she'll get cool. Pelted by a random orange. Do what? <laughs> I said, she'll get pelted by a random yeah, orange. Yeah, yeah. So it was really cool to listen to her, listen to her talk about that stuff. And yeah, she's trying to find a way to, to do that same thing with her dog, Chewy. She had a, a Chewy has like been like a prolific thing in her life and her career. Everybody knows her dog and that dog ended up passing away. And she's trying to do that now with that, but it's a little harder because she's like, we think it's because he's a he's a canine and not like a human. Like, like it, <laughs> it sounds kooky, but like I don't know. It was really interesting to see it. So when when Meg said this about the pastor and the church saying that, like you know, um, yeah, I think like I'm, I I was born and raised in the church. I don't practice anymore or anything like that, but I. I know that like being in a church and having a really good pastor and them doing the lesson and the talk, that's kind of what they do. That's kind of how the whole system and process works is that everybody mm-hmm. takes a little bit of, out of the lesson on the Sunday speech and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, it's easy to piece that piece that stuff together. So it'd be really weird to hear him say something that only, only her, her friend you know, her closest person that, that right that died did that. That's almost like a, a movie moment, mm-hmm. you know, when <laughs> yeah, yeah. the lead is in the church and then all of a sudden they zone out and all of a sudden the, the preacher starts talking to them. Yep. Wow, that's yep. that's wild. Very true. Well, hell yeah, Meg. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing those. That was three separate yeah, stories. Yeah. And uh, we'll be sure to include your uh, surveillance snapshot here in the Instagram and the Facebook as well. Well, the next story, I'm going to go ahead and just abbreviate this person's name to give him some slight anonymity because, honestly, I can't remember if he said to leave his name out (laughs) when he told us, Steve. So let's just get it. He goes on to say, When I was younger, it was like 1989 or 1990. I was eight or nine years old, and we lived just north of Dallas by the Louisville River. One night, I heard a weird noise outside, like a crackling noise like someone was wadding tinfoil. And so, I went to look out my window. When I looked outside my window and up in the sky, there was this weird set of lights, a group of three lights, one green, one red, and one white. The lights were sitting stationary, but then started to spin around in an oval formation. I've seen this movie. It was... Close Encounters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. They would spin around really fast and then just stop. It start to spin again, and again, and then stop. Start again, stop. I watched this go on like three times before I became completely freaked out and backed away from the window. What's really odd is after seeing that, I developed an instant fear of aliens and UFOs. He gave us a second story. In 1998, my friend Josh and I had just left Benton. Benton's a small town between uh, our hometown of El Dorado and Wichita, by the way. Yeah, it's very, very, very small. 
I mean, you blink and you miss it. Yeah, it's the it's now those of you who are keeping score. Benton is that little town that I shit my pants outside of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> Synchronicity there. Right. So back in 1998, my friend Josh and I had just left Benton and were driving down a country road towards Wichita. Maybe a mile or two down the road, we noticed a greenish turquoise orb-shaped light. The light was the size of maybe a 50 cent piece. Me and my friend decided that we'd see what it was, so we kept trying to get closer to it, but we could never quite catch up to it. Then it suddenly grew to the size of a cantaloupe. It wasn't like a hard circle, but more like a circular anamorphic blob. We followed it for like another four miles, and then after that it just disappeared. We stopped the car and sat there for a few minutes and couldn't see anything out of the ordinary. When we started to drive again, we got about 50 feet down the road and the orb appeared behind us, but now it was the size of a basketball. So we took off, but it continued to chase us. To tell the truth though, I couldn't tell you for how long it followed us because my friend who was driving put the pedal to the floor and we never looked back. But from start to finish, the whole thing lasted for about a half an hour, give or take. So, first off, that story's crazy because, like, I know where all these places are. Well, besides his first story. Um, and if we're keeping tabs again, I guess Benton's the, ha- the happening spot. Um, when I was <laughs> driving uh, right past Benton, going towards Tawanda, um, which is another small little hick town. This mm-hmm. was where my story was when Lincoln, I was driving on the road. It. Yeah, when I was driving on the driving on the highway, and my ex was in the the seat. We're just listening to music, whatever. Just what what look at the highway, and we both see that silver flash, little orb type thing in the sky, and then it got really bright, and then just disappeared. And it was like really weird. As like, that was my one thing. We just we mentioned earlier the thing. You've only seen one thing. That was it. And it's crazy <laughs> that, was it. that it's right there in that same area because that would have been where he was driving. I'm pretty sure. But the thing we yeah. didn't mention is that Benton does have a pretty um, active landing strip. No jokes. Oh yeah, no. it does. A Benton Airport. Yeah. No jokes, Preston. And then <laughs> on that on that there's a lot of uh, aircraft that go in and out of there. I mean, you have your CEOs of companies that go with the private jets. You've got your Mm -hmm. little farm things, all that type of shit. So with that, it's, there's, you know, I don't know who know, who knows what I saw, but, um, for his story, like that's crazy shit. Like that's, yeah, that sounds terrifying. (laughs) And, Oh yeah, man. Just to not know what it was, just (laughs) chasing you. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Like getting bigger and stuff. Yeah. No way. I'd be like, hell no. All right, so Preston, you have you have something of an orb story? Yeah, I totally forgot about this. Um, my buddy Josh uh, from high school, we used to sit next to each other in a band first hour, and you know, fuck off and not play our instruments. Anyways, he's a listener of the show, and uh, <laughs> on uh, June first, he sent me in a message, dude. So I saw my first light anomaly. I was getting off at 235 at 25th Street North, stopped at the stop sign and looked to my right, and something was strobing in the middle of the road like a bicycle headlight. It was bright enough to catch my eye, but not a bright flashlight. 
And as I made my turn toward it, the blinking of the light stopped, and as I came to the location where it was, absolutely nothing was there. It wasn't a reflection because this was 2 a.m. and hardly any traffic on 235 and nobody on 25th Street. About 10 minutes later, we came back uh, the same way and no light or uh, back casting of said light. So I was like, oh, man, can I use that as a quick listener story? He was like, sure. But it was straight up 2 a.m. I made sure to look at the clock. Glad it wasn't 3 a.m., LOL. But it couldn't have been a reflection of any kind as and if it was and... It was as if a bike light was turned on, blinking, but on the road. Damn. Huh. That's crazy. That's crazy. Lucky shit. Yeah. Did Did he say <laughs> where it was? Uh, yeah, two thirty five and the uh and twenty fifth uh, and by the twenty fifth Street exit. Yeah. So the twenty fifth Street uh, exit, that's basically like a bridge that goes over two thirty five yeah. if you're driving that way. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's not anywhere near Benton. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you uh, stuck that one in yeah. there. What was his name? Josh. Shout out to Josh. He once bet me $5 that I couldn't, like, you know, like uh, the old carnival sideshow where they would, like, hammer stuff in their nose? Um, mm. I'm able to do that. So he once bet me $5 that I couldn't get a pencil all the way up my nose. And so I said, fuck it. Why not? And, uh, I got the pencil all the way from the tip oh, to the eraser me. straight back. Trust me, Preston. We, we can tell. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really actually explains a lot. Yeah. I didn't like, really you gave think yourself you a fucking yourself. lobotomy through your nose. <laughs> yeah. I say a DIY lobotomy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Makes a lot of sense now. Shit. <laughs> I told you guys this episode will be full of revelations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, that's awesome. And also a uh, big shout out to our buddy Gilly for sending us that story. We really appreciate it, man. Well, up next, we got a story from Joe, but it's actually a story within a story. It's like another paranormal inception. And because of just how bonkers this story is, we actually did an interview with Joe instead of just having him submit the uh, actual story to us because we wanted to get all the details, and he actually interviews his mom to get her side of the experience, so we include that as well. So let's check that out. Hence the inception. So um, we're actually recording this uh, separately from the regular episode, so with me right now is Preston... What's up, all all you ghosts and goblins? God. And then with us is a very special guest, our buddy Joe. Hey, welcome. Long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of cool because we haven't really had a chance to do this kind of thing with anybody who listens uh, outside of literally holding up, like, my iPhone to somebody's mouth as they tell us a story. So this is fun, Joe. You're the first, first one. I, I feel so honored. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a you got a special story to tell us, and I'd like to say it's kind of a, a wonderfully layered paranormal cake because there's so many aspects to this. Yeah, it's bonkers. <laughs> it is, and it's cool because you've added another witness testimony to kind of sew into yours, so um, it's pretty awesome. I guess we should just jump into it, huh? Like, my story is very much a thing that uh, happened to me that I wasn't completely aware of because I was you know, a child, as mm-hmm. it were. Um, but it is my mom's story, and it involves not one ghost or two ghosts, but three, <laughs> arguably even four spirits. It's, I, it's I, don't, I don't know how to get into it. Uh, I guess I should let her tell the story. 
Okay, I'll, I'll remind you the story as I remember it. Was and this is when you were a baby and you were still in your crib, not a baby, baby, like maybe one, because you could stand and you could walk and mm -hmm. talk. But you, at the time, you still slept in the crib. And um, anyways, you were started to tell me once you learned how to talk that you know the man. A lot of times, it was the man. The man would talk to you in the crib. And then you know I talked to you, and then I come to find out that it was two men that talked. One was a, an older guy in overalls that was nice. And then one was a young man, a younger man who was neat. And he had a burnt face. And I did some investigating and I found out that there used to be a house on that foundation that burned down with the man and his son in it. And so. I remember you telling me that like, you would catch me on the baby monitor all the time. Yes. Talking to him and stuff. Because the one was mean, and one the older one supposedly was nice, and he would talk to you in a nice mm -hmm. way, but the younger one, like, didn't want us there, or didn't want you there, or jealous, or something was wrong with him. And he would be mean. And so, and then, yeah, but when he started, like, physically, like, I said, I specifically started, started seeing scratches or bruises, that I'm like, well, where do they come from? And they'd be, like, hand-sized, you know, mm -hmm. like a person, an adult person, I was like, I felt like it was going way too far. And um, at the time I was dating Wayne Kilmer, who's Val Kilmer's cousin, the actor. They even looked a lot alike. And they, and but he looked like Val Kilmer when he had long hair when he was younger, because he was younger than Val. But yeah, Wayne is Val's for real cousin. Like their moms are sisters is how they're related. Okay. And, um, so that's pretty cool. Anyways, I was dating him at the time and he lived in the basement and yeah, she's right. He did smoke weed all the time in the basement constantly, mm -hmm. but he, in his, he smoked weed. He said, cause he had a lot of back pain because he was in the war in Iraq and they had these big trucks with these big missiles on him. And someone, it wasn't like tightened down all the way or something happened and it started to come loose. And he like caught the missile, like with the shoulder in his back. Because if it fell on the ground, it could have, like, detonated or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it fucked him up because it was so freaking heavy. And he was discharged after that and actually got a Purple Heart. Because it, even though it wasn't wounded, like, in combat, he still was wounded on the line of duty, they said. <laughs> and so he actually had a Purple Heart. And um, he was on disability. Or maybe the military disability is how he got his money every month. Anyways, he was in a lot of pain because of his back. And he didn't want surgery. So he just smoked weed. And anyways, um, he said that he had these two spirits that watched over him, and they were called Marty and Blackie, because one was more darker than the other, you know? And that the, the darker one was more of the honorary one, you know? And, but however, he was the most, and he would be the most, like, protective, though, one, too. We were doing, we, he was, like, said... And he would ask them to help us with the spirit, other spirits in the house to ban, to banish at least the bad one, right? Mm -hmm. And we had studied this quite a bit at the time that we were studying witchcraft and supernatural things. I had a lot of books and I was doing a lot of studying on different things. Yeah. And so 
anyway, so we just attempted this and I, and I guess it wasn't Kira. It had to have been April though, because I know it was one of the two. Because it was, and, uh, so it was me, April, and Wayne one day, and we had a Ouija board and we used it quite a bit and it was pretty active, like, um, it had a really strong pull to it and stuff, you know what I mean? Like there was a strong link to it. And um, we had requested to talk to Blackie with the Ouija board. And it was saying like, yes, and it was confirming that it was him or whatnot. And we told him, we basically asked if he could help us with the old man, with the mean man. And I mean, I can't remember all the things that it said, but basically when it finally agreed and it went to yes, and then all of a sudden, it sounded like uh, we were in the basement, and it sounded like I had a bunch of, like, just stuff stored, you know, in the basement in the corner that was, like, uh, you know, like my old wedding stuff and just old things, you know, and boxes and whatnot. And we in the area we were in, we were in the middle, and it was cold, and it was wintertime. And what we did is we hung up sheets and used space heaters so that our area would stay warm. So we were in a warm area, right, with um, with a little table similar to this, and um, it sounded like over against the wall where we couldn't see, but it sounded like a whole bunch of shit fell down. Like we really, we all heard it, and hmm. then it sounded like the window opened and closed, the basement window. And I was like, I don't even think they could open. And we, of course, turned on the lights and moved the curtain. We looked, and nothing had fallen. The window was not open. And ever since that day, um, it was like the, the bad man lived under the porch. None of the animals would go under the porch anywhere anymore. You'd have a bad feeling if you came in that way. He started going in the back door because it was so creepy. And it was like he was banished outside, basically, right outside where that window was, which was by the back, was roof was by the front porch. And prior to that, like the animals would hang out if it started raining or something down there. The animals would go down there and seek a shelter till we came home, and they never did after. So I think that the spirit got banished under the porch or outside, and that was just where he made his little, you know. Yeah. So it was it was so surreal, and I'm like, if if it would have been Kira, she totally would have remembered because it. We all heard this. I mean, we jumped, and, and then, and then, of course, and then Blackie came back and he spelled out "done." And anyways, and then when we decided to go our separate ways because Grandma, Grandma, Mimon, whatever, she was like, she found they came over one day when I wasn't home, and they went in the basement and they saw my study material, all my books, because mm -hmm. I was studying all different kinds of things. Not just witchcraft. I did study quite a few religions, yeah. but I but she was like other oh, devil worshippers get out of my house, and so I moved and I took you with me and and then eventually we just kind of quit talking about it. But I did move out. So essentially, what we had there was like a royal rumble of ghosts. It sounds like I don't even know how where to begin. Uh, Paranormal bodyguards, <laughs> <laughs> right? So I mean, it all comes down to. Wayne Kilmer of all people, right? That's insane. I tried to track this guy down, but uh, he has completely disappeared from the internet, it seems like. He did. Um, I was going to, I even Googled several different ways just to maybe throw like a picture in there for people to kind of just imagine. So without that, we're just going to imagine Val Kilmer. 
<laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like. I was like, I went into hardcore. I was like going through like old phone books trying to get this guy's phone number. I have a number, but I I'm, I can't call. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like ninety percent certain this dude is crazy. I found a couple YouTube videos of him, and uh, oh wow, I'm pretty sure he is just off the rails. Um, so the only other source really is my mother who. Mm-hmm. We heard her story, and then my cousin April, who unfortunately has passed away. Oh no! But I do remember her telling me about it. Um, mm-hmm. This was a while ago, so. Um, but yeah, like uh, you know, you got your ghouls and your goblins and your ghosts and your witches. <laughs> it's it's like that's like I said earlier. It's just a, a wonderful layered cake of all this paranormal stuff. And by the way, um, it, I'm so happy that you did the investigative work to get to the bottom of this because um, you told Preston and I this story way way early on when we first started the show, um, and it was it wasn't nearly as detailed as this. So I, I hope you feel vindicated too by retelling the story after talking to your mom, who, by the way, tells a very great uh, yeah. account of what happened. Well, yeah, thank you. I think a lot of that comes down to uh, just generations of storytelling. We we do play a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. She was my first DM. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm sure there's a little bit of that in there as well. But, yeah, no, she is a wonderful human being. But yeah, when I first told you guys the story, like, I – was misremembering it because I was remembering the stories that she had been telling me for like years when I was a kid about, mm-hmm. you know, all this crazy stuff that happened to me. And, uh, like I, I would had assumed that the old man and the young man were, uh, what I uh, very affectionately called, uh, whitey and blacky. Right. <laughs> Turns out right. I was incorrect. Um, <laughs> yeah. The story you had told us was we're like, so Joe, do you have a ghost story? And you're like, yeah, growing up, I had these two ghosts when I was a baby and one was blacky and one was whitey and one was really good and one was really bad. And <laughs> yeah. So that was the entire story. <laughs> yeah. It was not a good story when I had first told it. Um, I'm so glad that I have a more complete story about it. The director's cut. Yeah. Um, and, and and from multiple viewpoints as well. Um, so, I mean, what do you, do you remember any of that? Like, I mean, because she goes into great detail. You were very young, essentially. So, yeah, I very, very distinctly remember she had photo albums because we had, like, filed uh, police reports, actually, about, like, claw marks and stuff because uh, at the time she yeah. thought it might have been something else or something weird. But, like, yeah, I had, like, sure. crazy bruises and scratches along my back and... Oh, maybe my crib was just full of nails. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> right, I think that's right. fairly unlikely. But um, yeah, yeah, we we searched everywhere for those phone bo- or those photo uh, books, and uh, I, we just couldn't find them anywhere. I don't know where they could be, but yeah. they exist well, I mean, somewhere. Heck, yeah, a lot of times probably gone by between now and then, so it's it's easy to misplace things or push things. Yeah, off we've moved say, several you know times. What? Yeah, yeah. That's that's just nuts, man. Just to to know that you, first of all that you're not nuts that that thing really did happen, you know. To have that absolute that yes, something strange did happen, and you're not the only one who saw it. And also, like it's sometimes rare for a parent to just even have a ghost story, let alone you know admit those things are real. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure 
there, so there's a lot of skepticism and I think it's, it's healthy to have a certain amount of skepticism, mm -hmm. um, to where I'm sure, uh, since my mother was practicing her witchcraft and stuff, uh, mm -hmm. she was a Wicca priestess and all that, uh, I'm sure there was a certain amount of wanting to see something, but you know, she never wanted to see anything happen to me, obviously. Right. Um, and there's a little bit of, you know, what came first, chicken or the egg, um, about what caused <laughs> her to go down that path, you know? Sure. Well, hell, when, when would that have been, Joe? Early 90s? So, yeah, that would have been about uh, 1994. Okay. Yeah, I mean, shit. That's, to me, outside of the 80s, you know, it bled into the early 90s with the, the fascination of, you know, witchcraft and the, the belief of Wiccan and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean... Mm -hmm. She wasn't the only one. The movie The Craft came out sometime near then. So, I mean, it's not like she was the only one. You know, there was a huge resurgence in, you know, just studying witchcraft and just... I mean, yeah, enough to pull in Val Kilmer's stepbrother or whatever. <laughs> her cousin. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Best part, when you told me the story... Oh, okay. uh, I mean, it's been months ago now that you told me that story on Xbox. Like, I was just, I was glued to it as is, and then you you name drop Val Kilmer's cousin, and it's just like, what the fuck, out of left field. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even, I didn't know he had, uh, like, a extended family. Who, who keeps track of that? Right, right. In, like, in um, Hutchinson, Kansas, of all places. Yeah, isn't that wild, man? So... Well, yeah, I'm I'm so glad you shared that with us, and you know your mom especially. Tell her thanks for taking the time to you know just just to sit down and record it. You know, because again, the reason why we started the show is because we fully believe you know everybody has something strange, and for your mom just to retell the story and just you know to to have the the belief that we weren't going to just put her on blast and make fun of her. You know, like that's it takes some guts, yeah. especially for some strangers to take your. Uh, a sensitive topic like that. So we really do appreciate her too. So, so my, uh, my guy that I was talking to the other day to, to uh, get, you know, my listener story portion of the show, uh, as we were having that conversation, I, I brought up the fact because I was kind of sharing, you know, some of the stuff that's happened to me throughout, you know, my life. And I said, you know, every person that we talk to, every person that shares a story that, you know, I have to look at it as all these things that happened to me, you know, I know for a fact they happened to me. So for me to actually judge a person and say, dude, this person's fucking batshit crazy, like mm -hmm. that would make me batshit crazy. And so yeah. to know that, you know, I had these experiences and I know that they're real, then why would I discount like somebody else's story? Like, you know, I wholeheartedly believe you know, Joe had this experience and it's the real deal. And, you know, mm -hmm. it, it just bothers me sometimes that uh, we, we still live in that society where we're so quick to judge and be like, Oh, that's, that's so fucking extreme. Like that, that can't be a possibility. You, you whack job. And no, I mean, you know, Jeffrey's mom, she was a, a, a practicing Wiccan and she fucking conjured some Banshee like spirit on accident outside the trailer one night and uh you know scared the fuck out of the kids so <laughs> yeah no absolutely like my mom is such a cool person like especially with such like a again a bonkers story there's right. there's so much going on but uh yeah no like i when i first showed it like uh and you told me to tell her thanks like yeah it was it was awesome it's great to hear and be able to like share it with with more people and hopefully like, people can also come forward 
if my crazy if my story is this crazy then like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think that that also it's funny that makes a safe space too i think telling a story to a group of people who also have stories you know that to me is great it's not you know telling your story to scully you know, who doesn't have mm-hmm. any belief in it. You know, we like to kind of err on the side of Mulder sometimes and be like, no, we've seen this shit. Now you tell us about your shit. You know, that time, I think I, that kind of thing makes it a little easier yeah. to let go. So we're all a bunch of Mulders around here. There's no Scullies. So. <laughs> <laughs> so have you had anything else recently or anything else you can recall uh, uh, unexplainable happen to you besides just this one tale? So... Here's the bombshell that I've been holding this entire time that I've been waiting to drop on you for this moment. You <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Apparently, uh, when uh, when my mother and Wayne broke up, she was still worried about me because I would still uh, talk to uh, or be afraid of whatever was under the porch, right? So when yeah, they broke up... Right she convinced Wayne to perform a ritual that would bind Blackie to me. What? As a spirit. So, yeah, it's... I know, like, I'm an insane person right now. (laughs) And, like... I think it's great. You have, like... You you have a a B-list actor's cousin's familiar (laughs) attached to you. (laughs) And, like, I don't know what, what... what kind of apparition one would classify a blackie or or whatever you want to call him um sure sure but you know, there have definitely been things like uh people talk about sleep paralysis all the time and i've definitely had those moments or um mm-hmm. uh you know a lot of stuff with uh with uh like different uh mental disorders um where uh-huh. you know sure having issues seeing shadow people or or that feeling of paranoia paranoia um, but yeah, like, uh, Blackie, if we want to call him that, I got, we got to find a better name. <laughs> <laughs> right. At I mean, it's point. not, yeah. At least we paint the picture that it's a spirit. Yeah. You know, that, for sure. I think that might make it a bit better. But you know, like he, he, he was described as being more honorary and, uh, I definitely had uh-huh. some real bad luck and just like random unexplainable things. Um, you know, a lot of things that I think a lot of people experience, but setting like my phone down somewhere and knowing exactly where I put it and coming back and it's just like in the middle of my bed for some reason or whatever or oh wow um, just kind like, of a trickster type spirit then yeah but I think ultimately with good intentions um but sure sure so that uh, yeah that's my bombshell is there was some that's kind of wild. like a legit ass blood ritual <laughs> <laughs> that bound this spirit to me so now, That's nuts. so Blackie is now your spirit guide. I mean, I, I guess so. Like, I don't think he's incredibly active, or maybe he's just really lazy. But... <laughs> just the laziest spirit guide. Like, come uh, on, do something, and then your phone's in the other room. <laughs> yeah, or like, I don't know, maybe I have to like figure out what the ritual is to to reawaken him mm. or something. But there have definitely mm-hmm. been moments where I felt watched or, or or see things in in the peripherals. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's the the, that's the cherry wild. on the top of this weird ass <laughs> spirit cake. <laughs> right, right. No, that's that's great, man. So we'll need we'll definitely need a follow up if anything comes to a very definite fruition. 
you know, you have to follow up with us about that, you know. I mean, have there ever been any times in your life that you can recall where you're like, oh, shit, it definitely helped me out? Or is it more or less just kind of uh, mischievous, playful? Um, I mean, like, it's a lot of stuff that's just really weird, like coincidence, like uh, being okay. into, like, I don't know, a lot of people say, like, guardian angels or whatever, but, like, being into car wrecks or just, like, just, like, crazy accidents and coming out completely unharmed, just totally fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, I've fallen asleep while driving and, like, drove in off the road and then just, like, was fine. Or the time I uh-huh. flipped my car, then was fine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> sure. So you, you may have had some kind of luck on your side then, be it, you know, a, a mischievous deity or spirit or just, you know, yeah, just I sheer mean, dumb luck. I like to think so. Um, and it's fun, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, it's still a fun story, and depending on people's, you know, varying belief, if nothing else, it's kind of like one of those things that makes you go, huh. Or it's one of those things where you're like, no, you passed that high school chemistry final because he's whispering the answers in your ear. <laughs> no, no, it was never anything like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's either everything's real crazy and I'm an insane person, or, you know, there's just mm-hmm. something, and I like to think that there's there's something and even if the story is like way out there there's got to be like a kernel of something uh-huh, and that's like uh-huh. the only way i can describe it yeah no that's fair man i mean i think every story is at least based on one grain of truth if nothing else mm-hmm. you know so and i mean i don't feel like listening to your mom's story and i don't say this just to chat you up either i don't feel like it was a case of her just being like Ooh, and then this happened, and this happened, and, and oh, 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 and, and this happened too. You know, it wasn't a case of someone just making shit up on the fly. Like, I felt like it was right. a very genuine experience. There weren't there weren't points where she was struggling to remember a fact or uh, quickly change something on the fly. You know, it was very much like, a, oh, yeah, here's a thing. Here's that time I won the, uh, you know, the high school volleyball game or, you know, scored the winning touchdown. You know, it was very, you know, easy for her to recall in my opinion, so... Yeah, no, that's another thing. Like, my mother has a memory like a steel trap. Like, the story, like, I asked her about it, and, like, mm-hmm. within 30 seconds, I had to, like, press record on my phone because she just launched into it. She went into it. Yeah, and what's funny, too, I mean, just to kind of attest that I, I support what you said, you told me that story, and then to hear your mom tell it, I remember almost verbatim what you said, and it's, I mean, almost blow for blow what you told me is how she tells it, too. So, I mean... Yeah, like, um, like my mom can't lie to save her life, and I don't see any hint <laughs> of, like, just making stuff up. Like, sure, like, you know, there's, like, D&D storytelling, and, but this was not, sure. like, and then you step into the cave, and there's a dragon or whatever. This was, like, <laughs> this was, like, a, this is just what happened, and it was, it, it was so casual that that's what I think gives it a lot of credence. Yeah. I just, I love the idea of having a a paranormal ghost security team, bodyguards watching over <laughs> you and your child, <laughs> preventing these things from coming in. So yeah, in like time out. I mean, that's what I would like to do eventually. Like I'm not a huge religious person. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know, curious. And I, th- I think everything's really cool and interesting, but uh, I think eventually if I were to uh, have a kid of my own, then, finding some kind of ritual or 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 finding um 
my uh, I guess would be a guardian spirit of of mm-hmm. whatever kind. Um, but yeah, I like to imagine this is a really it's a badass movie, and that's what the premise is: is you've had a child, and now you're like, oh god, the spirits are back, and it's your quest with like a two year old baby to find Val Kilmer's <laughs> decrepit, you know, <laughs> cousin somewhere, and all you have is these old ass YouTube videos to slightly light up the breadcrumb trail. Yeah, man, it was really fun trying to track him down. I gotta say, and then like. It's yeah, he's just a weird dude. <laughs> well, and hopefully, if nothing else, out of the story comes a sudden surge in Google in Google searches for <laughs> Val Kilmer's cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like to imagine he was just like Tombstone Val Kilmer. There, okay, yeah, I like that. I like that. It was about the same time, right? I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, I would like to correct myself. The Craft came out in 1996. It was a little after that, but. Uh, yeah, let's see here. When did Tombstone come out? That'll give us a nice little uh, visual there. Tombstone yeah. came out in 93. There you go, man. There and we go. Nice, the, sweaty Val Kilmer. On IMDb, there's a sweaty picture of Val Kilmer with a really nice oil tycoon mustache. Yeah. My mom describes him as uh, where he did look a lot like him, except he had uh, longer hair um, mm-hmm. and uh, no mustache, unfortunately. Oh, too <laughs> As bad. cool as it would be. Cool. All right, man. Well, again, tell your mom thank you so much for sharing that with us and for just for yeah, having you know the trusting us with that and and for you as well coming on and uh, hopefully we'll get to have you on in some you know some upcoming episodes too. That'd be pretty great. And yeah, uh, so definitely. If I, I, if I find a find a follow up, then I'm definitely coming to you guys first. <laughs> we have, we have the exclusive. That's perfect. <laughs> Hell yeah, cool. All right, we really appreciate it, Joe Preston. What do you have to to add into here, man? So uh, I came across this interview of a uh, psychic that uh, they're like right now. I think it's uh, on like Amazon. They're creating like a show about like a, a comedian and a psychic. I don't remember the premise. In the interview, that they, they were talking about his abilities and like. You know, how long has he been able to, you know, see auras, talk to spirits and things like that. And uh, so he's been doing it for like 30, 40 years. And he's got this one spirit guide that follows him around. And it's kind of like the third man effect. Like, it's not always active, but it is a black cat. And hmm. um, it's missing its eyes, like it's, and its its eyes are like just like that kind of like sunken hole. And the the psychic basically describes that when he was a kid, he was walking home from school, and this black cat was on the side of the road, and he like he was petting it, and he was having like a really great time, like oh my god, this cat's amazing. And then the cat started to run away and got hit by a car, and he made such a connection with the animal that after the animal died, it decided to cling on and not, you know, pass on to the spirit realm. But he's like, mm-hmm. as he's aged, the, his spirit guide is this cat, but the cat gets more like decrepit looking, rotten looking. And it's like, it's changing year after year. So he's like, there'll be some times where something's bad about to happen. Like, uh, you, you know, like I'm about to get in like a car wreck and he's like, I'll look to the side of the road and there'll be like the zombified looking cat. I'm like, oh, shit, it's Billy. Something bad's about to happen. Then, bam, like he gets in a car wreck. And so that's that's his spirit guy is basically this, you know, rot rotting cat. So <laughs> nice. 
Well, it's nice to know that someone else out there has something similar. Yeah. Maybe your go, maybe your spirit guide is just checking your phone, but he doesn't. <coughs> shit, yeah. tongue-tied. But because he doesn't have eyes, he just sets your phone down in the wrong place every time. Maybe, or I'm crazy. You know, there's always that. <laughs> I mean, there is always that. Look, it's nice that in 2020, I think we can all admit that we're that we all suffer from a little mental illness. You know, it's it's never been a better time to admit that we're all just a little uh, off in some way or another, and uh, that's fair, and that's okay. Yeah, um, I think right now it's it's it it's it could be even helpful to like just to lean into just a little bit of escapism, a little bit of wonderment, mm-hmm. a little bit of imagination. Well, and who's to say? Um, and again, I'm no expert. I'm not a scientist. Maybe some of this mental illness could be related uh, slightly to things that are not of this world that we can't explain. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, who knows, right? Like, right. I am also not a scientist, so. Aha, that makes three of us in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I will vouch well, for Preston. He is not a scientist experts. either. Like, <laughs> right. Right. We'll consult our panel of experts. Nice. Well, Joe, thanks again, man, for joining us. We really appreciate that, and uh, we can't wait to hear if you have any sudden surge. And maybe just by talking about your spirit guide, it'll uh, amplify things a bit, maybe boost up the Wi-Fi, so to speak. Joe, what I want you to do an experiment <laughs> for me. I want you to go to a float tank and get a float done because, like, if you still your mind and still your body, that opens you up to a level of communication. And Blackie could be out there just waiting for that moment, and you guys could have, like, a connection inside the float tank. I am definitely going to try that because that sounds exciting. <laughs> Just don't rub your eyes after you put your hands in the salt yeah, water. That's bad. That'll burn. <laughs> yeah, and don't do it around mosquito season because you'll. Yeah, my second float was ruined because I rubbed my eye and had a couple mosquito bites. But that's not what this episode's about. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hell yeah. All right. Well, Joe, thanks again, man. And let's just get right back into the stories. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, Joe, thanks, man, uh, for that. Thank you for sending that in. And also thanks to your mom. Again, tell her thanks for giving us that story. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also shout out to Val Kilmer's cousin. Yeah. (laughs) We know Wayne's the real Batman in that relationship. Yeah. In that that relationship. He's the Huckleberry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that because uh, I would have never expected, you know, that name to be dropped in the story. But also, yeah. um, when I listened to it earlier, I was like, wait a minute. Really? What? What? <laughs> what a of flex, all the okay. random people to be included in that tale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what's cool, too, is uh, I really liked the little bomb he dropped on us, having the potential for having, you know, kind of a, a dark companion or, you know, some yeah. kind of uh, spear well. guide or whatever. Yeah. And I like Preston's... Yeah. Preston's uh, suggestion of doing the float trip float tank thing yeah yeah be pretty cool man let us know how that works out joe and shout out to joe's mom she seems like a great lady but i think it's 2020 you need to change the name (laughs) (laughs) from blackie yeah Yeah, it's like when you guys first told me that story like on xbox or text or whatever Mm -hmm. i was like if we should talk about that <laughs> like you're like no no, no it, yeah it's better. <laughs> like, <laughs> right yeah and he he acknowledges that yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll find a new name but yeah awesome thanks a lot joe cool. all right well if you want to take the reins why don't you uh deliver the next yeah, one yeah this uh, next story was sent in by listener chris b and it's uh, his skinwalker ranch story and he starts Ooh. off by saying hey there 
Yeah, we still need to meet up once things go back to normal, if there ever will be a normal again. Like I said before, I worked at the ranch from 2010 to 2016 when it sold. Then left Bigelow Aerospace in 2018 and moved back to Vegas. August of 2019, History Channel contacted me and asked if I could be as an advisor, so I got the privilege to meet the new team and share a few experiences. I was pretty reserved because I wasn't too sure what I I could share. Well, then October, I heard about AAWSAP and the ranch, specifically intel about us who worked on the ranch, and I became more open. Started a Twitter account where I shared my photography pictures of the ranch at Chris Bartell SWR. Also, I was looking for answers uh, to now more questions. Now, let me preface this real quick. I should, or, I'm sorry. Let me interject real quick. Um, the History Channel just released a brand new show. I believe it was like Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, where they send out a brand new team of scientists out there to kind of walk around and survey and see if they can figure out, you know, actual scientific explanations as to what causes the phenomenon mm-hmm. out there. And kind of hmm. like Chris says, they too just left with a lot more questions than they did answers. And how, and how do we know this, Chris guy? Uh, he's a listener of the show and reached out via the Instagram. Wow, that's dope. And so we've been kind of chatting. I've been chatting with him back and forth. Now, before COVID hit, before this whole thing erupted, um, we actually had plans, and we still do eventually, to get together and do a longer episode and just kind of chat about some of the stuff that you know he may have experienced out there uh, on Skinwalker. Because you know we've talked about it. There's countless podcasts, TV shows, documentaries. Yeah. Um, that place is just insane. Mm-hmm. That's so. pretty rad. Cool. Yeah. See, when you, when you get when we get messages, guys, to the Instagram, uh, we all have it on our phones. But um, I kind of let Sean spearhead that because he uses Instagram a lot more than I do. Uh, every once in a while, I'll check the message too to see what they write back and forth. But sometimes I like to keep it a secret, like this, so that when I hear this stuff, I'm like, holy shit! Like, I didn't know this guy was following us and sent all this. Like, that's <laughs> well, awesome. And sometimes. Yeah, and sometimes I'll have somebody write in like Chris, and I I don't really just like text you immediately and say guys, 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 because it's kind of fun to have a surprise like that. Like yeah. holy shit, you know, a guy from that spent time at Skinwalker Ranch reached out. So, you know, sometimes it's kind of fun to uh, reveal those things slowly. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, Preston, the AAWSAP is the Advanced Aerospace Weapon Systems Applications Program. They study unexplained aerial phenomenon, UAP now, um, at the urging of... Oh, never mind. Yeah, that's it. So let's just, let's just, let's just say they're a bunch of fucking nerds. Yeah. Like, like they're just going up there doing A bunch of nerds shit. doing the Lord's work. We call them the... Aw, oh, snap. <laughs> God. Jesus. Go back uh, to your fucking. Go back to your eraser of lobotomy, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Does anybody smell graphite? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to you, Presto. So I reached out to my previous employer, Colum Keyhiller, and was met with silence pretty much. Now here it is in 2020, and I still have more questions about the ranch. Was my experience real? Were they manipulated by something else? I truly believe that my experience is to be real, and they have a Native American foundation. So with that said, I'll share one story from my time there. It's nothing too amazing, but gives you an insight of what the property is about. In November of 2010, myself and another B-A-A-S-S, the B-A-A-S-S, 
Like you, you couldn't add a fucking D. Badass <laughs> officer. Badass. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Hindsight, Steven. Yeah. Hindsight is always twenty. No, I'm saying like whoever made that. That oh, I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah, looking like, back, they probably wish they may. Yeah, have. I mean, you know they all did. My ass officer <laughs> were scouting the far west side of the property, a side that nobody likes to talk about, but for good reason. That's a whole nother story. Anyways, well, damn it, I, I want know. that story too. <laughs> that's why we got to uh, you know meet up when this whole thing yeah, dude. is safer. It's around three a.m., so the witching hour. It's cold. We were with three dogs sitting on fallen down trees at Homestead 3 when we heard Indian drums beat for approximately 10 seconds. It happened so oh. fast, I was not able to oh catch God. it on a recorder. All three dogs mm-hmm. alerted and looked dumbfounded, as did us. We never found the source of the drums, but it was so random and odd. That's the truth about Skinwalker Ranch. Things always happen when you least expect it. That is so badass, dude. Yeah, it's all about that that's Native American some, shit, man. For reals. Yeah, that's like the top in the top five sounds yeah. you don't want to hear at three in the morning, dude. Any any <laughs> kind of yourself. drum chant, dude. You don't want to hear that shit ever. You know it's going. And, you down. know it's mm-hmm. it's weird that he brought yeah, up the, the drumming um, because we talked when we talked about Skinwalker Ranch. I came across a story of a security guard that worked on that ranch, and he had this experience where mm-hmm. like he ran into an actual Skinwalker that looked like a decrepit werewolf, and when it attacked him. And he woke up. He woke up in this tunnel. And as he was trying to get out of the tunnel, it was like never ending. Like the tunnel just kept going and going and going. And he's hey, and he's like, I lost all track of time. And when I finally <laughs> got out of the tunnel, it's like I was in some weird Navajo landscape mixed with a Vincent Van Gogh painting. Like the sky was really... Sur- he went yeah. through a wormhole, he's like, dude. Yeah, like a yeah. vision He's like, the sky was really surreal. So he's walking around like these mesas and he's like in this weird, you know, triptych canyon and he hears this Native American <sighs> drumbeat in the background and he can see the shadows off the canyon wall of like what looks like Native Americans dancing. But he's like, fuck it. I mean, what else can I do? Right. I'm here. So he goes over and gets to where the fire is and lo and behold are these little Native American dwarves like doing this like drumbeat and this chant. And they were basically that 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 spiritual chant that they were doing was to keep the skinwalker from devouring his soul in that plane of existence. Whoa, really? Whoa. Yeah, so it's like, there's that story from that security guard, and here's our listeners like, fuck yeah, I heard Native American drums at 3 a.m. Like, woo <laughs> I heard them fucking dwarves, dude. This motherfucker almost got ate by a damn skinwalker. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can't wait to hear more stories, Chris. I really, uh, We really appreciate you uh, writing in, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I That's really, I wish right we could have got together a heck of a lot sooner uh, already, but yeah. such is life. He's not, he's not local, yeah. is he? Oh God, you know, uh, I, I think so. Damn, cool. We'll Burgers and up. beer, Chris. Burgers and beer. Yeah. God, I had <laughs> an amazing yeah. burger the other day, dude. Bro- shout out to Broadway Burgers, man, on Broadway Street. I know I say Broadway, everybody gets kind of leery in Wichita. But, dude, that place, oh, my God, dude. I was really hungry. I said, fuck it. I deserve this. I got the fucking full pound burger. And it was amazing. Good God. Side of is, that the, amazing. Uh, is that the burger joint that's in that old, <sighs> decrepit Dairy Queen? It's got, like, a red like red yeah. thing, maybe? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, they got the big smoker uh, out there. Yeah, they're, yeah. Like, they're, they're a beat. They're a... They're a 
burger and dude, barbecue. That's, that's a fucking heart like, attack oh waiting God. to happen right there. Oh, dude, that that dude, yeah. I ate on that damn thing for three meals. <laughs> like, it was only nine <laughs> yeah. bucks. Nine fucking for three days. <laughs> if, if you cook me a hamburger and I don't feel like I'm gonna get a heart attack by eating it, get the fuck out of here. Like that's not a hamburger. Yeah, <laughs> no shit, no shit, no huh. shit. Anyway, I'm sitting over here. Sorry, like, Chris. Yeah, I like turkey burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Derailed his story with a fucking Skinwalker burger. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you, man. Skin. All these people that own businesses, they need to do kitschy shit like that. Do a cryptid. Oh, for sure, man. Do a cryptid version of everything. The peanut butter or, Bigfoot yep. burger. Yeah, dude. So I'm telling. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the Big Dobbs, man. Do that with the bomb, dude. Do a crypt. Do a cryptid series. I'm telling you, yeah, it'll sell you like, like crazy. We haven't talked about that. Check out BigDobbsBeerBomb.com and check out since Swizzle Dick Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mothman's Musk. Bigfoot's taint. <laughs> oh, that one's randomly inserted in random unmarked tins. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, hey, again, Chris, man, thank you so much for writing in to us, and I can't wait to talk to you some more. And then I will, uh, I'll throw some photos that he has taken through the landscapes of the Skinwalker Ranch up on the Instagram as well, and then we'll link his uh, Twitter if anybody wants to go on there and take a look. Yeah, definitely. As well. That sounds awesome. Hey, what's up, everybody? Sean here, and I think after Stephen's riveting tale of Broadway burgers, it's a good time for me to jump in and drop a quick message. So it looks like with all the content we got from all you guys, it's actually going to be too much to put into one single episode. So what we're going to do here is go ahead and cut, paste, and load this episode up. You're already listening to it, so you know that's what we did. And then I'm going to have to go ahead and do a second episode to fit the rest of the stories in there. It seems as though cramming everything into one episode made that file size way too big to post in one single episode. So, you know, good news, bad news. Bad news, uh, you're going to have to wait a little longer to hear the second half of the stories. Good news, we got a bunch of awesome content still coming your way. And uh, you can expect that next week during... Um, I guess that'd be a little after July 4th. So anyway, again, thank you so much, guys, for everybody who has sent stuff in thus far, everything you've heard so far. And then uh, brace yourselves because we still got some really good stuff coming up. So thank you guys so much for listening. You know the routine. Check us out on Instagram, P-X-L-P-A-R-A. Nope, sorry. That was actually our promo code, P-X-L-Paranormal. And then also on Twitter and our Facebook account as well. Check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com. Use the promo code I said earlier, P-X-L-P-A-R-A. Check out Fast Print here in town on Harry and Rock. Go say hi to Leslie at CD Trade Post here on Pawnee and Seneca. And just thank you guys so much uh, for listening. This has been a lot of fun so far. And again, lots of great stuff coming your way next week. For now, on behalf of Preston and Steven, cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And please... Stay spooky and stay on that paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. 
We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.